This is Lightning Power Lunch, Stanley Cup Final Edition, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. That's an excellent team. They get a lot of credit for their offensive abilities, from their forwards to their D and all the way out, but they're doing a lot of really good things in the defensive zone, through the neutral zone, on the forecheck, and so it's it's you don't look at that team and say, okay, it's a, it's a one-dimensional team. They're, they're doing a lot of great things all over the ice, and as a coaching staff, as a team, we're, we're trying to put together a plan for that. That was my dream since I was a kid. I played for the Stanley Cup. Getting that opportunity, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of emotions, but at the end of the day, I, I'm just trying to embrace it and uh, just be super excited to be a part Excited. You work so hard. You, know, you try to make a point of understanding that this is not something that happened every day. And it took a long time before I even get the honor to be able to compete for it. So um, I'm going to do the same. Try to take it all in and just get the body ready to for the biggest war. I mean, that man's fired up, as everybody is in the Stanley Cup final. That was Pierre-Edouard Belmar. Not the first mm-hmm. time he's been in a Stanley Cup final. He's excited. Brandon Hagel. Of course, being thrilled to be where he is right now. How would you like to be Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul, Dave? Those <laughs> yeah. guys, you know, where they were at the at the trade deadline. And you never know how a trade's going to turn out. I think Paul adjusted quicker than Hagel, but both have made a serious impact. It's interesting. I think Paul's been more consistent. It felt like Paul made a bigger impact offensively earlier in the playoffs. And Hagel has made an impact more so defensively later in the playoffs. At least when we talk about the Rangers series, there was a lot of publicity thrown the Sorelli line's way, and rightfully so, but Hagel was a big part of that. And it's interesting how both of those guys have played for the Lightning. I think one guy giving more offense than we thought, and then maybe the guy who's supposed to give the offense is really adjusting well defensively and allowing the Lightning to have this this style of play heading into the finals that I think gives a lot of Lightning fans some hope that, Dave, they'll be able to slow down Colorado, who is the most explosive offense the Lightning will have seen in these playoffs, that they'll be able to slow them down in part because of what the Sorelli line has done, and Hagel's been a big part of that. He has. I'm not going to disagree with you, but I'm going to pose a question to you right off the hop here. I love it when Whether you pose it's, questions to me. Yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you on your toes. So whether it's game one or game two, and, and I'm going to go on the record here, I'll be surprised if we don't see Braden Point by game two. We may see him in game one. I'll be surprised if he doesn't play in either one of these first two games, in part because he's getting very close, and he had another practice day yesterday with the team, although Jeff Halpern, who was the first guy in that series of, of sound bites that that we heard at the top of the show, who met with the media yesterday, Halpern conceded it was not exactly a hard practice for the Lightning. But he's done hard work talking about point in other practices. So it looks like he's close. And the fact that the Lightning and Avalanche have two days between games one and two, that gives point an extra day. I may be proven wrong, but I expect to see Braden point in one of these first two games, if not both. So if Point is able to return, and remember in yesterday's show I was drawing a blank on what the Sorelli line looked like in the Toronto series, Point was the third guy on that line. Because remember, when Point got hurt in Game 7, Nick Paul elevated to that line and had the game win a goal. Remember, Kalorn was out on the ice too, tied up the Toronto defenseman, 
Paul got the puck yes. and, and scored. Paul was elevated to that line because Point had gotten hurt. So assuming Point comes back into the lineup, do you put him back with Sorelli and Kalorn, which is the line you used, to very positive effect in the Toronto series when the Lightning were at home and had last change? Or do you say, we really like this combo with Hagel, and if we put Point on a line, and I'm just spitballing here, but this is where Point was in practice yesterday because Perry didn't skate. We put Point with Paul and Colton. Like, that is a capable defensive line as well. Now we've kind of spread our wealth a little bit here, and we have a two-pronged approach to, to match up against a very deep Colorado team. You know where I'm going with this? I like, do, I do. You, do you not want to upset the apple cart in that against a really dangerous Rangers line that had been doing very well in the playoffs. And let's not forget, Chris Kreider scored 52 goals during the regular season. Like, this wasn't just he got hot in the playoffs or whatever. Sorelli, Kalorn, and Hagel, as a unit, excelled in the last series. And again, nothing is etched in stone. You could start with line combinations, and John Cooper can switch them up, which he's done already in the playoffs, not only due to injury, sometimes because he feels he wants to, to, to give his team a different look and give the opposition a different look. But I guess my question to you, which I've taken a long time asking, is when point returns, where does he go? Where would you put him to give the Lightning the best kind of front against this dangerous and deep and dynamic Colorado team? So I would keep things the way they are and have him play with Paul and Colton to start. Because I think coaches are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. I think they saw a lot of success with that Sorelli line. I don't think they want to change that. But understand, Dave... I have the right to change those things after game one. Yeah, and you so could if, put point with Kucherov and Palat and, and move Stamkos, but you I'm not sure you want to do that. Those no, three I, guys teamed up for 23 listen, points in the Dave, Rangers how, series. How many games in a row have the Lightning won? I mean, we know they won four in a row against yeah. the Rangers. I mean, I, I would be inclined to just keep things the way they are. Uh, points game doesn't necessarily speak of breaking up chemistry. I mean, he's a smart guy, and he's a speed Speed guy that I, I think is also going to be playing with some guys who can skate. I think it's a responsible defensive line. Again, assuming Point plays with Paul and Colton. But, Dave, you know what I like about that line, too? There's enough offense to keep you honest. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's going to be exciting. Yeah, I think a fair question to ask is what's the percentage of Braden Point in this series? What are you getting? And maybe that determines a bit. Certainly how much ice time he gets, although some would say, Dave, if he's ready to play, he's going to play as many minutes as he would normally. I, I understand that, and I think maybe in part this is one of the reasons why the Lightning have held him out as much as they could. That, all right, if we can give you another extra day of rest or even conditioning, does Braden Point, has he gone from 65% to 75%? Or right. 80%. And then if that's the case, are you comfortable giving Braden Point 18 to 20 minutes a night in these playoffs? So my inclination would be, I agree with you, and my expectation is he's in the lineup tomorrow night. 
I have no inside information. My guess is, and it maybe goes along with your thinking, you're going to see him the first couple of games. I'll give a more precise prediction. I think Braden Point is in the lineup tomorrow. And to be honest, I don't know if John Cooper eases him in in terms of giving him all of his responsibilities. And when I say that, mainly on the power play. But my take is, if Braden Point is ready to go in game one, he takes on all of the responsibilities he had before he was injured. I think that's fair. Whether he is as effective in that role starting game one or whenever he's in compared to where he was before the injury, that remains to be seen. But I I think I want to go down with all of my players in the lineup and assuming the same role that they had, and that's what I would throw at uh, Colorado in game one. Yeah, and the Lightning tend to roll their lines five on five unless there are some unusual circumstances, like maybe if they're down in a game and they, they might load up you know, the, the lines at the top, if you will. But like, if, if you think that Point is going to play with Paul and Colton, I'm not sure that that would mean that that line, whether Point is on it or not, is going to play less than the other two lines, like the top six. Sometimes the Belmar line plays less. But I kind of think that once the Lightning went to 12 and 6, I know when they had 11 and 7, it was more of a hybrid forward combination. And there were games, Colton specifically, like his minutes were down. I'm not certain that that has happened in the last few games when the Lightning have gone 12 and 6 and they've rolled the lines and we have not had a lot of power plays recently as well. So that has led to more of the rolling of the lines. And the Lightning haven't been down in a lot of these games either. I mean, they they were down by two goals in game three, talking about from game three on, which is when the Lightning started going 12 and six. So starting with game three in the Ranger series, they were down two goals in game three for 66 seconds. <laughs> and they got a power play in the shift after they fell behind 2 nothing, scoring on it. So it was a one-goal game until they tied it. And then, of course, in Game 5, they were down by a goal for, what, maybe about seven minutes or so in that second period, meaning that it hasn't been a situation where Coop has been like, all right, we got to keep throwing Cooch and Stammer and, and, and these guys over the boards because we're down. And I think that they've been able to roll the four lines fairly regularly, which would mean that by putting point on we'll call it the quote-unquote third line. I don't know that that is going to mean fewer minutes, which is to say that I don't know that that really eases him in. I think it would be more of a function of we like the lineup construction this way. I mean, basically, you're swapping Point and Hagel from the Toronto series. That's essentially what you're doing, but Hagel showed very well in the Rangers series as a third member of that Sorelli line. So I'm inclined to agree with you, actually, and, and, and we'll see if it plays out that way. But we know John Cooper well, and we know that if things are not going to his liking, he will mix things up. I will remind you, and you know I don't put a lot of stock in, in regular season matchups, even if you've seen a team a lot during the regular season as it relates to what's going to happen in the playoffs. And, and yes. I'll just use this Ranger series as an example. The last four games the Lightning played against the Rangers. Yes. Did any of those games resemble what we saw in the three regular season games? 
No. So I don't know why we would think that what happened in the regular season games between the Lightning and Avalanche will tell us anything about what's going to happen it in the tells Stanley us nothing. final. It tells right. us nothing. But, so the first game, I don't think either team had kind of shaken off the cobwebs from like the off season, some new faces coming in. I mean, the Avalanche had some turnover. Belmar left. They lost their goalie, right? I mean, they had some new players to integrate this year. And when the teams met in October, I think they were both finding their way. That was not a very well-played game in Emily Arena. I mean, the Avs didn't have a lot of puck possession. I don't know that we're going to see that in this series. I think when they are rolling, they have a lot of puck possession. They kind of popped in some goals, isolated plays. The McKinnon line did very well in that game, but it went to the shootout. And the Avalanche won the game of the shootout. The second game is probably a better representation if we're going to look for clues as to what we might see in this series. And if you remember, Greg, that was the game the Lightning had had a fairly substantial layoff because they hadn't played since the All-Star break. They went to Denver, and about 10 or 11 minutes into the game, they were down 2-0 and shots were 14 to nothing. And that was fitting into this narrative of like, the Lightning don't deal with layoffs and slow starts in the first period. But they pulled their game together and ended up almost tying it. Like it was a 3-2 game and the Lightning put on a ton of pressure in the second half of the third period. Kemper played really well and the Avs kind of dug in defensively. I remember the Lightning had a really dangerous 6-on-5 late in that game. They ended up losing. But what happened in that game was after the first half of the first period, John Cooper was like, this isn't working. I'm switching my lines. And he threw the lines into a blender in that game. You don't think he's going to do that in the Stanley Cup final? I think he will if things yeah. don't go to plan. So we're kind of spitballing about what are the line combinations going to look like? And this seems really good on paper. You know, like you get into the trenches you're like, we have we have our hands full with the McKinnon line. Or McCarr is shredding us. We need a different look. Coop's not going to wait. Like, he's going to make some changes in that regard. Hopefully, it doesn't come to that. Hopefully, he, he puts out a lineup there for game one, and it goes exactly the way the Lightning want. But you have to be ready to be flexible within games to make changes, and Coop has shown that he is not shy about pulling the trigger on, on shuffling up the, the combinations no, if he thinks it's going to help his team. I would agree But that, that second game, yeah. like that second game might have some elements to it that we might see in this series where when the Avs get rolling, they can put 14 shots in a row on you in a really short period of time and, and pop in a couple of goals. And the Lightning have to be aware that they may deal with some surges like that. So if it's 14 shots in a row, let's try not to let up two. Right. <laughs> Let's try yeah, and, and, and D up and make sure that sure. we don't get burned. And, you know, I think what's interesting about this series and this is this does pertain to on the ice, but in many ways it's off the ice as well. You know, how well does Tampa Bay recover, particularly after game one, playing in those conditions in Denver? Mm -hmm. Does that have any effect? And especially for a guy like Braden Point, assuming he plays in game one, what is his conditioning going to be like regardless of the altitude? And then you factor in the altitude, and it'll be interesting to see not necessarily the legs for Tampa Bay, but the lungs. 
Was it right. you, Dave, who was telling me that it's typically the day after a yeah, game in, uh, in Colorado where you kind of feel it more than you would? So this is the information that I've gotten. George Gwazdecki was an assistant coach with the Lightning for a few years back when John Cooper first took over as head coach. Gwazdecki was a longtime coach at the University of Denver and is back in this area, by the way. Last I heard, he was coaching like a high school team. Great guy. And what he always said was that for teams coming in, like if you arrived on a Thursday for a couple of games, college hockey usually plays Friday, Saturday, right? So if you arrived on a Thursday, you didn't feel it so much on the Friday game. It was more the Saturday game. Now, he has a wealth of experience as yeah. a coach in this area, having seen other teams come in and feel that. Now, that's also a back-to-back situation, and maybe you're just feeling it more because you played the night before. I don't know. Jeff Halpern, who has some experience as a player playing here, said that he actually felt that the second day, like the, he liked the fact that the Lightning – He met with the media yesterday, like we played that clip. He didn't say, I'm glad we came out a day early, but he said, you know, we're going to have an extra day to get acclimated. And the other thing that he said that was interesting was, as a player, he felt the first period was was the toughest period because that's the period in which you're getting acclimated. And it's almost, I'm like, I guess that makes sense, but it's almost counterintuitive. You would think it would be the third period that would be the struggle, right? Like, as you're playing more, your your body is getting depleted more <laughs> of, of oxygen. Or even the second period, and we know the Lightning sometimes get into trouble with executing line changes in the second period, and you might get stuck out there. Like, if you get stuck out there in, in the second period for a 90-second shift, that probably feels like a two-minute shift or a two-and-a-half-minute shift in a different city which is to say that managing the puck in the second period and executing clean line changes and avoiding those really tough shifts, which we've seen happen to the Lightning at points over the course of the regular season and in the playoffs, like that's going to be really important. So I guess we're going to wait and see. I mean, did I think the Lightning looked like the altitude was bothering them in that game in February? They didn't have a good start, but I'm not sure that had anything to do with the altitude. And in that, that game, they did come in the day before. So whatever date the game was, we flew in the day before and then played the game the next no day. No question. No question. So we'll see. Yeah. We. By the way, we are. Also, the emotions. I mean, this is the last thing I'll say, Greg. Yeah. Like, the players are going to be jacked up. This is game one of the Stanley Cup final. So is it possible? And this could be on the Colorado side, too. Like, you're so jacked up that you almost overextend yourself from a from a lung capacity standpoint, right? And then maybe at some point you just hit a wall. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But this is not like game 51 of the regular season, right? This is game one of the Stanley Cup final. What's going to be interesting, I think you bring up some good points. And by the way, we are on Twitter Spaces. So for those of you who are listening, you can join the conversation and talk to us. So any questions or comments you have about game one coming up, just get in line. Steve will let us know where you are. And we will call on you, just like in school. Except uh, Dave and I won't scold you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, tell us where you would put Braden Point. Yeah, I think that would be a put on your head coach's hat. Yeah, and do you think do you think the conditions factor in at all in the first couple of games, especially for the Lightning? But if you're just joining us via Twitter Spaces, understand 
that you can listen to Dave and I weekdays, noon to one, on the iHeart app. So search, uh, download the iHeart app to your smartphone, search Lightning Power Play, and we're there for you every weekday, noon to one. We have the latest guests and the latest news. Bobby Fenton also does a recap show the day after a game. So he'll be on the airwaves Thursday. So again, it's 24-7 Lightning coverage tomorrow, by the way. A little preview, a little tease. Darren Drager from TSN. Yeah. We'll also have on Eric Erlinson as well. So you get a local and national flavor. So for those of you who just joined us, this is where we are. And we appreciate you spreading the word. I will say this. I'm going to make a couple of, I don't think they're bold predictions, but you know what? I've given a couple of bold predictions throughout these playoffs. They've they've been right. When the Panthers were down 0-2, I didn't think they were coming back to win the series, and that was that mm-hmm. was true. And I felt, and I said this on Bobby Fenton's show, heading into game six, I, I told him, I said, the Rangers aren't coming back. And Bobby was a little uncomfortable. You could tell. he His bald head was sweating. <laughs> and uh, I saved him though, but he, he's he, like me. He was okay. He, I don't I like bold predictions. I, and I typically well, don't actually, go that I don't mind route. them. I don't mind them if you're making them. Yeah, no, I, I just don't like. Them. And I don't like giving a ton of bold predictions because I think you know sometimes we have to let the series play out, and then I think you can adjust accordingly. But I'll I'll throw out a couple of points here for fans maybe to to think about and keep an eye on. I think one for me, honestly, the the conditions may factor in a negative way. Colorado more than Tampa Bay in game one if you believe that Russ was a factor for the lightning in their series against the rangers and it took them about a game and a half to get going then that same logic would apply to the colorado avalanche heading into game one as well in fact they had a longer time off and this is their first dance in a stanley cup final with these group of players so the lightning have uh played an nhl game sooner than the avs have and if you believe rust is a factor, which, again, there were a lot of people, Dave, I think we admitted that as well, that it was a factor for Tampa Bay, particularly Vasilevsky, then I think that same logic needs to apply for the Avalanche. It doesn't mean Tampa Bay is going to win game one. I'm just saying I think that will be a factor, and I think that would be a slight advantage to Tampa Bay, even though they may be playing with the conditions we just talked about with the altitude. I think the Sorelli line is going to have to score in this series. I may be stating the obvious, for as good as they were shutting down the Zabinijad line in round three, those guys are capable of scoring, and Colorado is a better team than the Rangers. Now, the one thing working in the Lightning's favor in this series compared to last, theoretically on paper, is that Anthony Sorelli is not going to be coming in alone on Igor Shosturkin. He's going to be coming in on loan, we think, Darcy Kemper. It's not to take anything away from Kemper, but you know what? When somebody actually says that, Dave, you probably are taking something away from Darcy Kemper. So, yes, I will come out and say it. You know what it is? It's the difference between, in a different position, it's the difference between, I don't know what the appropriate comparison would be. It's the difference between Nathan McKinnon and, I'll throw out a name here, Philip Heedle. Like, Philip Heedle is a really good player. Now, Darcy Kemper is older than Philip Heedle. But you know what I'm saying? Like, w- Philip Heedle is a really good player and had a really good playoff. But is he Nathan McKinnon? So Darcy Kemper is a really good goaltender and has had a terrific season with Colorado. But I think if you talk to any goalie expert <laughs> around the league, they will say that Shesterkin is at a higher level. You're not going to get much argument 
from people around the league. I don't even think Darcy and Kemper's I don't think that family is, would Maybe that's a bad back. example. But, you know, like Nathan McKinnon is in a separate class, just like Shesterkin among goaltenders is in a separate class. And I don't think that that the person that you're comparing Shesterkin to should take offense at that. It's just the reality of the situation. Not everyone can be Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby or Nathan McKinnon or Nikita Kucherov. Shesterkin in the goaltending position is regarded in that upper echelon. Yes. Even so, with even with a, a smaller sample size, people who know the position watch this guy play, and they're like, yeah, he's one of the top goalies in the game. That line is going to have to not only play well defensively, and you could kind of tell watching Brandon Hagel yesterday during his press conference that he understands that this line has gone long enough without really scoring anything offensively you know you can talk about Hagel on an empty netter but I think all mm-hmm. in all Kalorin and Sorelli are 20 goal scorers and so is Hagel and they had chances in the Rangers and, and, did. and they did so that's why I'm optimistic maybe it's cautiously optimistic that yeah. not only will that line hopefully continue that same level of play defensively but Dave if the Lightning are going to win a third Stanley Cup in a row I don't know if it's a game I don't even know if it's a whole series but the Kalorn Sorelli Hagel line is going to have to do something offensively. I think well, I think comment. let me let me respond to, to your two points, starting with the Sorelli line. I don't know how much they're going to see McKinnon in the games in Denver, unless Jared Bednar just doesn't care. But like most head coaches, he will probably want to get McKinnon away from the quote unquote shutdown line on the other team. And give McKinnon presumably a better matchup, right? So in game five of the Ranger series, the Lightning were able to get Sorelli's line out more against the Zibanejad line in part because, and he doesn't often do this, Coop pulled them off the ice if they controlled a face-off. Like after a whistle and there was a face-off and he sent Sorelli's line out and Gallant sent out like Kevin Rooney's line. If Sorelli's line won the draw and got it in deep, he pulled them off the ice. And then there were long stretches in Game 5 of whistle-free hockey. And if you have whistle-free hockey, then it kind of levels the the playing field as far as matchups because both teams are changing on the fly, and you can you can anticipate better about who is coming out next. So that's my way of saying that in Game 5, unlike in Games 1 and 2 of the New York series, the Lightning were able to get Sorelli's line out more against the Zibanejad line, but that, to me, was an outlier for the road team. And I think that the Lightning have to accept the fact that when they are in Denver, Sorelli's line may be out against a different line, okay? doesn't mean that they still can't do what you're referencing which is try and score right like if they play their game they're a pain in the butt to play against whether it's McKinnon's line or Comfer's line or or whomever it doesn't sound like Kadri is at the very least going to start the series so will Comfer be their number two center are they going to move Rantanen to the middle I guess we'll wait and see how that plays out so I'm not sure we're going to be seeing as much head-to-head at least early in the series now when the games move to Amelie Arena for sure Unless something weird happens, I think we're going to be seeing Sorelli up against McKinnon. But we'll come on the air after game one and say, like, boy, Coop really kind of worked it as much as he could to get this matchup 
or maybe he's going to do what he typically does, which is to say, you're up next. Do your best against McKinnon's line. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, I don't know what Ben Nar is going to do in in, yeah. in this series. I, I think in game one, my sense is there may be a filling out process. He may just maybe. throw out the McKinnon line and say, let's see how you do. And, you know, I, I've seen other coaches do this with their top lines where they just, it really doesn't matter what the matchup is. You're our best line. Go out and yeah. do something. And that the may be what he will, does. The Lightning will try and get McDonough and Chernak out best they can against the McKinnon line. Of yes. that, I am certain. And, and I, that's I, sometimes a little easier to do yes. on D. The The other point you made about the layoff. Now, it is true the layoff really hurt the Lightning. In retrospect, we can see that. The layoff, in terms of days, is the exact same layoff that Colorado has heading into the Stanley Cup final. The Lightning eliminated the Panthers on a Monday, and they started the series against the Rangers one week later on a Wednesday, Colorado's in the exact same boat. The Avalanche eliminated the Oilers on a Monday. It was June the 6th. And a week later, plus two days, Wednesday will be game one. But I mentioned this yesterday. Yes, The Avalanche have had not quite as long of a break, but close to it in between round one and round two, because they dispatched of Nashville in four straight. So they they eliminated the Predators on May the 9th. Their game one against St. Louis was on May the 17th. That's eight days between games. And in that game one against St. Louis, and St. Louis did not go seven against Minnesota. They went six. So they had a little bit of a layoff, not as long as Colorado, but it's not like it was the Rangers where they came in, you know, having played two nights earlier. So both teams were were fresh, let's say. But Colorado did have the danger of we we're off for over a week. So what happened in that game one? The Blues actually had a good first period and scored. I think they had a one nothing lead after one. And you could say, yeah, maybe the Avalanche were a little were a little affected by the layoff. But the second and third periods and then overtime, Colorado completely dominated the game. Bennington almost stole that game for St. Louis. Final shots finished 54-25 to Colorado. I was going to say, he had over 50 saves in that game, right? Yeah. And I think in overtime, the Avalanche outshot the Blues 13 to nothing. Hmm. So they have been through this before, and, and they certainly didn't seem to be as adversely affected as the Lightning were by their previous layoff. So we'll see what happens. You may be right. They may come out and, and their game is a little bit off and, and maybe it was a little bit off in the first period of game one against St. Louis, but then they got it together in the second for sure. So I'm holding judgment on that until game one actually takes place. Maybe I should have we can talk it about saying, it on Thursday. Maybe but normally you're right. Normally a long layoff well, it makes sense does that. have some sort of an effect, but it really affected the Lightning early in that range. I'm glad series. you put that in perspective because I think it is important to, to point that out. Maybe I should have prefaced it by saying specifically Darcy Kemper. Because yeah, and he's been missed, off even longer because he had the, the fi- injury. Right. He missed yeah. the final three games of that conference final. And well, maybe they start Franzos. I mean, I don't know. Listen, I, I'm going to say something right now. If they start Franzos, not a knock on him, but again, when, when somebody says that, it is typically a knock on that player. <laughs> um, that's an opportunity for the Lightning. It really is. And I don't think we can be afraid because I, I, I've seen some, some fans and even some analysts 
who are almost afraid to talk about the goaltending matchup and specifically the edge the Lightning have in this series. And it's almost like people don't want to give the Lightning that big edge in nets because understanding they're not going against each other per se. You're going against Colorado if you're Vassy. Yeah. And, you know, Colorado's net miners going against the Lightning. So I understand that. But, you know, if we're under the assumption that the Lightning aren't going to have too many of these games get away from them, if you believe the Avalanche are this offensive juggernaut and are going to skate the Lightning right out of the building, which I, I don't believe is the case, although I've heard that from some national pundits, I do think that is a very real advantage for Tampa Bay. And I'm very surprised, Dave. And it, it doesn't matter. I mean, this is all this is all talk heading into to game one. I think we understand where the Lightning are and who they are going against. I am pretty amazed to see and listen to the national pundits. On one hand, give the Lightning credit for who they have in net, but also at the same time anoints the Avalanche as the Stanley Cup winner. And in many ways, it it doesn't add up because in an era where goaltending is harder to come by than maybe we've ever seen. Dave, I mean, I think there's a reason why we're going to a two-tier system now is because, yes, they want to keep goaltenders fresh, but also there aren't many number one legitimate goaltenders in the National Hockey League. And certainly not at the level of Vasilevsky, and even to a lesser extent, Shosturkin. I am surprised most people are saying this on one hand. Well, Vasilevsky, he's one of the best all time. I just think Colorado finds a way to beat Tampa Bay. As if, yeah, you know, Vasilevsky's good. Uh, but I, I like the Avs in six because I just, I just, I really like their offense. As if they're not looking at the Avs situation in nets. And not thinking that's going to have an adverse effect potentially. Because at the very least, how many games does Vassy keep you in or get you in a seven-game series? I mean, the Lightning could say, Greg, basically every game. This guy's got his, his footprints everywhere. And he's a big reason, maybe the biggest reason, that the Lightning have been in this position before. And it's almost like people, Dave, and I know we don't want to speak for everybody, but at least what I'm seeing and what I'm reading, very few people have picked the Lightning to win this series. People I'm seeing. But it's like they they don't look at the advantage the Lightning have in nets. And if they do, they almost brush it aside and say, oh, I just think Colorado's too much. As if to say, well, aren't you doing any reflection on the Av side at the goaltender position? Regardless of who it is. Like, I can't believe it's not more of a story that the team who is the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champs is an underdog when they have maybe the best goaltender we have seen in all of hockey going against the team that has used a couple of goaltenders in these playoffs and is the first time playing in a Stanley Cup final since 01. It's as if the Lightning, what they have done up to this point, yeah, it's impressive, but we like Colorado. Regardless of all that experience that team over there has, and regardless of how good that goaltender is, I'm I'm a little amazed by it, and I think some of it has to do with people pick Colorado at the beginning of the year 
and maybe they didn't want to have to go against the Lightning to, to make another pick, but they're not willing to change because they're just sticking with their guns. That may be the case. Or maybe they just really like Colorado. I just think at the most important position, I've seen too many people in this game who I think should know better that are just looking at it and saying, yeah, it's an advantage for Tampa Bay, but we like Colorado still. I'm amazed by that. Well, if you like Colorado, that's probably what you would say, right? And and this notion of kind of sticking with Colorado, that's what Nick Alberga said yesterday well, that's when he exactly was on the, the air point. with us. Now, nothing that he has seen has has forced him or caused him to change his mind, but you know, you often say that, you know, this is a good good thing to talk about on a talk show, you know, making predictions. That's part of being a pundit, right? So not everyone is going to pick one team. In fact, the majority of people, I think, are picking Colorado. And I think Colorado has been really impressive in the playoffs, even in the face of some injuries. Goalies in and out, because Francois has played in multiple series. He played earlier in the playoffs, too. They lost Sam Girard in the St. Louis series. And right now, Kadri is out. Kadri basically missed games three and four in the Edmonton series because he got hurt early in game three. And people are looking at Colorado and saying, yeah, I really like this team. And maybe they pick Colorado at the start of the year and they're saying, I just feel like this is the team that I I picked at the beginning and why would I change? But Dave, I'm not seeing, and you're right. No, you're absolutely right. I'm, But I'm not seeing enough of those people put to bed the concerns at the goaltender position to the point where I think they should. Like, I think this is the biggest, arguably, storyline heading into these finals. That the back-to-back mm-hmm. defending Stanley Cup champs who have a top-five goaltender in all of hockey in the history of the game is considered an underdog to a team that's never been there and doesn't have what you would call an elite goaltender. Dave, typically it's the other way around. Yeah. And we're not seeing that. And I, I again... It's not like Shesterkin's on the other net. And and maybe Kemper has a phenomenal series, assuming he, he's healthy and ready to go. Maybe he has that in him. He had a really good regular season. But we're not talking about Dominic Hoshik. We're not even talking about Eddie Belfour. We're not even talking about, I don't know, Tom Barrasso. I mean, Darcy Kemper is who he is at this point. And... If you believe goaltending is the most important position and you feel like the Lightning have one of the best, not only in the game, but of all time, how are you quantifying that? Because I think too many people are saying, yeah, you have that, but we're going to win as if the goaltending for the Colorado Avalanche isn't a concern in these environments against this team. I mean, we, we've seen the numbers about Vassy closing series out and, and what he's been able to do. I mean, the, the numbers are staggering. I can throw a bunch of those at the wall. Maybe it sticks for some people. Maybe it doesn't. I think that big of an advantage needs to be talked about more. It's like a quarterback. a hall, It'd be like Tom Brady going against, I don't know, Mitch Trubisky or a, a quarterback who doesn't have a ton of experience that would be all over the headlines. But instead, it's we're not going to talk about the inexperience there. We're going to talk about the team. 
And we think, even though the Lightning have the best player at the most valuable position, somehow it's not going to come back to bite us in this series, and we're going to choose the Avalanche in six or seven. Wow, I guess you, you seem pretty fired up. Oh, I am fired this. up. I, I am can fired tell up. you're fired up. I am that fired sort of up. stuff doesn't get me fired up. I am and look, fired up. People who pick Colorado have every right to pick Colorado. Oh, they, and they're, they're seeing what they're seeing. They they're do. seeing McKinnon. They're seeing McCarr. They're seeing a domination in possession that can help equalize, essentially, any disparity that they may be acknowledging in net. Because if the Avalanche own... 65 to 70 percent of the possession because their overall game is so strong then that's going to make life easier on their goaltender and harder on Vasilevsky now I don't know if that is going to happen but the people who are all in on Colorado feel that Colorado has been doing this through the playoffs and they're going to have some success doing it in the Stanley Cup final as well there is one other part though that that like your point is fair and and you talk kind of about not just that Vasilevsky is at at the top of the class in his position and the guys they have on the other side, and I say guys because I don't know who's going to be playing, whether it's Kemper or Francois, like they are not in that category. And I think that's fair to acknowledge. But the other part of it is who has more deep playoff experience? It's Vasilevsky. But that translates as well to the full lineup. And this is something I have not heard talked about at all. Now, does this automatically mean that the more experienced team is going to win? No. It was a little bit of a talk in the Rangers series, actually, when the Rangers got off to a good start. And it's like, hey, they're, they don't know any better. And, you know, they're just going out and playing in the kid line. And they have all this energy. And they don't even know that they're not supposed to be here and all this. Colorado knows it's supposed to be here. They, they felt that they should have been here <laughs> the last couple of years. And, and suffered really painful, excruciating losses in the playoffs on their path to the Stanley Cup final. But if we look at the two rosters, on the Avalanche side, you have Andre Burakovsky who won a cup with Washington in 2018. And you have Darren Helm, who as a very young player won a cup with the Red Wings in 08 and got to the final with the Red Wings in 09. And I'll throw in Arturi Lekkanen, who got to the Stanley Cup final with Montreal last year. Other than that, unless I'm mistaken, I mean, they have some guys like Taves got to the conference final with the Islanders, and I'm looking up and down their roster. Like, Cogliano might have had a I mean, with Anaheim, he definitely See, had Anaheim, some deep runs, time, yeah. but he never won a cup. Right. Like, does it matter? Should it matter? Should it matter that for many of these Avalanche players, this is their first time in the Stanley Cup final? And it's not the case for the Lightning, other than Elliott, who, if all things go to plan, like shouldn't be getting into any games. No offense to him, but you know, Vasilevsky is going to play. Riley Nash, who if point comes back in the lineup, you figure wouldn't be playing. And then the two guys they got at the deadline, Paul and Hagel. I believe everybody else on the Lightning's roster has either won a Stanley Cup or played in a Stanley Cup final with a different team. Let's maybe, maybe answer forgetting this question. someone. Let's but maybe like that is question. to me, that is not insignificant. It's not I... gonna like 
tip the balance on the Lightning side, but we'll see. Like, it definitely helped the Blackhawks in 2015. Well, Dave, let's Because they let's were a little question. wobbly early in that series. The Lightning had yeah. a 2-1 lead in the series, and right. when the Hawks had a chance to clamp it down, they got the series to 2-2, their championship pedigree took over. And Tyler I think that's fair. And Tyler Johnson's wrist wasn't the same. <laughs> well, true. There were other factors there, yeah, but, sure. you know, for sure. Nazem Kadri has an injury. It, it, there's, like, there's no question. I, I think that, that aside, yes. like I'm, I'm, I'll let you talk here in a second. The, the last right. thing I'm going to say about this, like I'm thinking back on previous cup champions. When did we see a team that was on the wrong side of the experience ledger win a cup? Maybe St. Louis against Boston. Probably that's a fair example in 2019, but that went seven games and the Blues had to win a game seven in Boston. Washington hadn't been there in 2018, but most of the guys in Vegas hadn't been there either, right? The Pittsburgh teams in 15 and 16, sorry, 16 and 17 for sure, had more championship experience than their opponents. We just talked about the Hawks in 2015. 2014, the Kings had it over the Rangers. 2013 was probably a coin toss with the Hawks and the Bruins. You know what I'm saying? Like, you go back down the list, generally speaking, if it isn't even, the team that has had more experience playing deep in the playoffs has prevailed. I don't know if that's going to happen again this year, but that has not been something that has been mentioned in all of these <laughs> stories that you've relayed. I, I haven't heard anything a, about that. I think it's a fact. Look, and that's hard to quantify, too. It is hard to quantify. But I think it's a factor. Because let me ask you the question before we get to Nick. Do you think it was a factor in the Eastern Conference Final? The Rangers are up 2-0 with a chance to bury the Lightning in Game 3, and they didn't. Now, that goes back to what I talked about. What do you do with momentum? Yeah. What do you do with it? Do you score goals? Do you make a big save? Or do you let the other team get back into that series? The Rangers never recovered after Game 3. Maybe they just didn't know how to deal with it. Not Because everybody kept saying, everybody kept saying, I think the Rangers got here, they, they were a year too early. All right, well, if you believe that, I don't, I don't know if I bought it, but I heard a lot of people who covered that team. You know, we don't think this is their year. Next year's the year. Like, as, you, like, as if they know. Come on. Um, but if you believe that, did their inexperience in that environment in an Eastern Conference final, even though Kreider was the only guy really to participate uh, as far as he did in a, a Stanley Cup playoffs, was that a factor? You could use an experience, maybe, not knowing how to deal with that circumstance, not knowing how to be up 2-0 to close out an opponent. You could almost make the case the Lightning didn't understand that against the Columbus Blue Jackets in Game 1. They were up 3-0. Kucherov had a chance to make it 4-0, was stopped, and the Blue Jackets just never looked back. Obviously, there were other factors in that series, but the Lightning had to learn from that. Mm -hmm. And look what happened. As John Cooper said, maybe they did create a monster. Quoting John Tortorella. So I think it's fair. All right, we got a couple of people online. Uh, let's see here. Nick is on Twitter Spaces. He would like to speak to us about this series and maybe even... Break it all down, what we've been talking about here. Nick, welcome. You're on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Hey, guys. How's it going? Um, I uh, Yeah, I think Colorado, you know, watching them through the playoffs, obviously they're a lot of fun to watch. They're extremely fast. But I just – I don't think they've been tested 
in the same way that the Lightning have. They just have it. I mean, two two sweeps. There's no way you could say that they've had to really, you know, go against the grain um, at all. And I think it's all obviously speculation is what we're doing today. But uh, you know, if Tampa continues to elevate and play that team defense, especially after game one, which we don't know what's going to happen. It could be a feeling out process, especially for the coaching staff. But I just think that that is going to be a huge factor. The X factors for me, Kucherov and of course, Vasilevsky. And uh, you guys asked about, you know, when point, if he's going to play, I think he will. I obviously, I, I agree with you guys. I think he's going to be on that third line and Nash will be out and uh, Perry will move back to the fourth line. But last thing I want to say is we're four wins away from becoming not just one of the best hockey teams of all time in a dynasty, but maybe one of the best sports teams of all time. And I think these guys in that room are, that's what they're thinking about. They're thinking we are four wins away from becoming legends. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. So thanks guys. Great call. That's a great, yeah. He brought up a lot of good points. I'll go back to his first point where he said Colorado hasn't been tested as much as the Lightning. I think that is objectively true. I mean, that's what I said yesterday. It's hard to argue that. Yeah, that's what I said. But again, Colorado doesn't have to apologize for that. Heck no. No. And that's not going to necessarily work against them in the Stanley Cup final. I'm not sure it's going to work against the Lightning either, though, because it's different than the Rangers who were pushed to the brink so many times in back to back seven game series. And it did work against the Rangers as the Eastern Conference final progressed. So, I will say, look, this. if the Lightning play to their standard, they will give the Avalanche its best series so far, yes, like its I toughest agree. series so far. But you know, they're going to have to go out and show it. I, I do want to mention the the last point that he made, which is he said, you know, the players in the room understand they're four wins away from something that Gretzky's Oilers never did win three in a row, even though those teams won four out of five, which is incredible. Remember we were talking about before the playoffs started, and I said, I'm not sure there's going to be a team hungrier than the Lightning. I was just going to bring this up because it really complimented your point because I had said, Dave, listen, the Panthers, you don't think they're going to be motivated to get back and make that run? And I I actually kind of questioned whether it would be enough more so than what the Lightning we're going for, but I I think you're absolutely right. Well, now they're closer too, so maybe maybe that that balance shifted as the playoffs progressed. I don't think there's any question that the Avalanche are hungry. I mean, they have been the the mantle or the bar was set fairly high for them. I would say the last two years, three years ago, when when McCarr came in straight out of college and they they upset Calgary in the first round. They were not expected to to win the Stanley Cup. But the last two years, the pandemic shortened season and then the shortened season last year, they were expected to go deeper than they did. I know they lost to Vegas in the second round last year, but they did have a 2-0 lead in that series. And they had to deal with massive disappointment. They are very hungry, but they are not now four wins away from that carrot of being generational. So they are they are going to be as hungry as they are, talking about the avalanche, I'm not sure that they are hungrier than the lightning. Now, will that matter? Players have to go out and play and execute. And, doesn't, and, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't, hurt, doesn't, hurt. It doesn't hurt. hurt. The lightning are not going to, I don't know. I mean, this sounds like a prediction for me, but 
Oh, so boy. I'm a little uncomfortable breaking saying news. it. Breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, like I don't think the Lightning are going to take this opportunity for granted if that's the, the right way of putting it. It probably isn't. Like they understand what is in front of them. That was Nick's point, and I think that it's a good one. It is. And, you know, if you believe or if you believed that the Rangers' speed – gave the Lightning problems, particularly early on in the series. Fueled by Tampa Bay turnovers. Correct. Many, and many of those plays. And they fueled by the Lightning maybe being rusty. So it's kind of like a trickle-down effect. Maybe there was all three of those kind of coincided together, and, and that's what you got. I'm not going to tell you that the Rangers are as fast as Colorado. But this goes back to the point I made yesterday. I think the Lightning have seen a version of Colorado's speed throughout the playoffs. So I don't think they should be overwhelmed by the potential advantage Colorado may have in that department. In other words, the Lightning adjusted pretty well to the Rangers' speed, Dave. And maybe that was just puck possession. Maybe that was just playing in the Rangers' own end. Whatever it was, we weren't talking about the Rangers' speed late in that series as we were in the beginning. And I think Toronto was really fast. And I think the Panthers had speed up and down that lineup to varying degrees. I, I grant you this team they're going to take on in the Stanley Cup final starting tomorrow night at 8 o'clock may have more team speed than all of them. But it shouldn't catch the lightning off guard. It may, you know, certain shifts. But I think the lightning have seen some pretty good teams that can fly. And maybe it takes a game for the Lightning to adjust, but Dave, one thing we've seen from this team, they will adjust and they adjust pretty quickly, whether it's in-game or whether it's the next game. So while I think Colorado certainly has an edge in speed, I don't think it's something the Lightning haven't seen before and can't handle eventually. And we will see how that plays out in game one tomorrow at 8. Uh, Brian says, love the show today. Greg is fired up, and I feel we get no love for going through two offensive juggernauts already, but somehow with the backup goalie, they have the better chance. Well, I will say this. I didn't look at a lot of these predictions, but I did see the NHL.com writers oh, what did and they have? staff did it. What so did they, they, had 16, they had 16 votes, and 10 went to Colorado, 6 went to the Lightning. So look, it's not like it was 14 to 2 or 15 to 1, but that's probably a fair representation based on what you're saying that I think some people are are acknowledging the Lightning are really tough to knock out. But yeah, I just more I people are picking the Avalanche. Maybe I'm a little more old school. You know, you are the champ until defeated. Well, the people that picked the Lightning often mention that because they did a little paragraph as to why well, they made their pick. But and the other thing, too, is, Dave, I, I, I look, and maybe this series will change that opinion. Maybe this will be the outlier. If everybody out there, and I, I'm lumping a lot of people in, so understand that I'm just I'm speaking off the cuff here. If you believe that goaltending is the most important position, and we have, in fact, it's one of the biggest reasons I have felt the Lightning were the best team the last two-plus years. Dave, how many times did I come on these airwaves and say, you know what, Dave, I really like Carolina, but, I mean, Nedeljkovic is in net. Or, Dave, I really like, you know, the Florida Panthers last year, but you know what? They used three goaltenders. 
I mean, yeah. are you going to win a Stanley Cup that way? If you believe that is the most important position on the ice, regardless of the team they are playing offensively, that has to account for something. And then when you do a little more of a deep dive on the other team's goaltender, and it's not like, Dave, Colorado is playing against the New Jersey Devils of the early 90s, mid-90s, when they were basically a trap team, and if you scored 20 goals, that was considered an elite goal scorer. I mean, you do have Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, and just go down the list. How do you react to that? I just think we're, we're looking over that a little bit more than I, I, I think we should. It doesn't mean Colorado can't win this series. I'm just saying I don't think people are making the goaltender matchup a big enough story. And it's almost like, well, we've picked Colorado. We're sticking with them. And even though there's this gaping advantage the Lightning may have, we're just going to kind of bypass that because, well, we just think Colorado's the better team. And that logic doesn't make sense to me. All right. Here's then how I will break things down broad strokes. Because was it yesterday I said I don't like making predictions, but I can kind of put into to words the, the elements that will give each team a, a chance for success. Please do. If the Avalanche are able to play their game, which is a speed puck possession game, and with that generate way more chances than the Lightning can. I feel like I said this to some degree when we went into the Toronto series, when we were talking about Campbell and Vasilevsky. So that they are forcing Vasilevsky to make way more tough saves than whoever is in net for Colorado, that will suit Colorado. So that Agreed. even if you're acknowledging that the Lightning have an advantage in net, that advantage is neutralized because the the advantage in net, like the guy in net, is having to deal with so much more than the guy at the other end. That will that will be a scenario that is well suited for the Avalanche to win games and win the series. If, however, the ice is more level, and not just the ice is level, but the number of chances and the quality of chances is close to 50-50. Then the goaltending disparity, if you want to call it that, could come into play, and that probably suits the lightning, which means that whether it's Kemper or Fransos, they're going to have to erase chances at the same level that Vasilevsky is going to be asked to erase chances. Understanding it's not just the number of chances, it's the the level of the chances. Like, how dangerous are the chances? But if if all of that kind of goes through the wash and is fairly level, then the pressure is going to be on the Colorado goalie to help his team as much as we expect Vasilevsky is going to help the Lightning. Now, there's probably a lot more to it than that, but to me, that's kind of broad strokes how to think about this series. So the challenge for the Lightning is to not get badly outchanced, essentially, and to keep the super dangerous chances to a manageable number. Way easier said than done. But they've shown that they can do it based on how they have defended at points in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a really good way to sum it up. And then I think on the other side, if Colorado is controlling play, and let's say Vassy is standing on his head, Dave, and it's like a 2-1 game heading into the third. Colorado is, is leading. 
what does Colorado's goaltending do? Yeah. When they're not getting as many chances. Yeah. But maybe they're leaking in a couple of squeakers. I think but that Colorado's is But Colorado's formula is going to be like, they're going to, they're not going to be happy if they lose a game in which they outchance the Lightning two to one or two and a half to one. But they're going to say like, that's how we need to play to Agreed. win. Agreed. You know? And they will. And they will. Well, look, this was a, a fun show. That hour went by so fast. Mm-hmm. And the best part about that is we're going to do it again tomorrow. Yeah, and we're going to have lots of guests this week. I know we kind of teased that. We had Nick on yesterday. But today was a weird day because the media day is happening yes. in a couple of hours. Actually, the Avalanche start theirs soon. Yes. And and we'll have some, some analysis from our guests about the media day certainly tomorrow. Kale McCarr. Eric Erlinson and Darren Dreger. Yes, that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll get into the McCarr factor because I think as big as Vassy is a factor for Tampa Bay, McCarr actually might be that guy for Colorado. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll get into that a little bit tomorrow. There's a lot of, of chatter about him for the Con Smythe, which There's is There's a lot of chatter. I've given, heard some chatter. Given McKinnon's, yeah. like he's having a really good playoff too, but McCarr well, heard, has been a stud in the And playoffs. Dave, your, your broadcast partner said... He hasn't seen a defenseman like this since Bobby Orr. Mm, Gretzky said the same thing. Well, he compared McCarr to Orr. And this so is, that is some super high praise. And I, th- I think you could start to get into this conversation. Boy, this would be something to digest, wouldn't it? Can you make the argument McCarr is in that conversation the best players in the game right now? It's certainly mm-hmm. the only defenseman. Uh, and that's not a knock on Hetty. I think uh, Hetty overall might be the better defenseman, but right now... The what what McCarr is being asked to do and how well he's doing it, I don't know. There's a more impactful defenseman right now. Yeah, in the league. And and the last thing I'll say, Greg, like don't don't discount his partner. Devon Taves is a hell of a player. He is a hell. And of a player. And the fact that no Taves doubt. is there yes. helps McCarr be even more effective. McCarr's a good defender and plays hard and 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 defends well without the puck. But he and Taves together are a formidable duo, and I think. Taves' Taves's talent, his his experience, his overall level of play helps McCarr be even better because no doubt. Taves is his partner. Absolutely. That's a good point. All right, we're going to do it again tomorrow, and then we're going to have a game on top of that, which is going to be a lot of fun. Yep. So, again, for those of you who join us via Twitter Spaces, thank you. Dave and I are here weekdays noon to 1 on Lightning Power Play. Download the iHeart app to your smartphone. Search Lightning Power Play. You can listen to us live or wherever you listen to podcasts on demand. Check us out there as well. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks, Mish. Appreciate it as always. Thanks to Steve Ersnick, our producer. I am Greg Lanelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow, noon to one, on Lightning Power Play.